the name of our incarnate Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Merry Christmas. Well, what are we saying in telling others Merry Christmas? I actually looked up, and, and Merry Christmas arose as a description of behavior at Christmas, deriving from the emotion of being happy at Christmas. Merriment flows from the happiness of Christmas. You see, all about you, there's a lot of attempts to, to make you happy at Christmas and, and, and thereby um, having a Merry Christmas. You see people putting up decorations and, and lights and, and they have special food and you can go and, and listen to special music. You can drive around neighborhoods and, and gather with family and you can have presents. And, and there's all sorts of things that, that, that you can do to put into Christmas so that you flow merriment from Christmas. That's basically the world's problem is that it's trying to put things into from ourselves so that Christmas would have meaning. The very essence of Christmas, though, is that it's not from ourselves. It's from God. Indeed, the truth is that you have nothing to offer God. You don't make Christmas. You are a sinner. The truth about Christmas is indeed the, the truth about ourselves and now what God has done for you and me. You spoke the truth earlier today. I, a poor miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. No tinsel, no present, no eggnog can take away that you justly deserve eternal punishment. You have nothing to offer God. Instead, God has given you everything. The very essence the very joy of Christmas comes from God and his work for you at Christmas. In response to sin, there is Christmas. God, the Son, is our incarnate Lord, and he has been born of the Virgin Mary to save us sinners from sin, death, and hell, that we might be his own, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. And there's no better time to look at Christmas than this morning to hear the blessed words of John, the prologue of John chapter 1. Amid the trappings of the season, the true comfort and joy of Christmas comes from knowing the Word made flesh and that in Him we have the highest blessing because we are now called children of God. The Gospel begins boldly in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God, you heard that Word, but let's unpack that Word. John uses God as a word of blessing, a defined, true Word. You live in a world where the, it's vague and fluffy. God is stamped on our coins. When someone sneezes, you say, God bless you. Even the most selfish and vain person you know can utter the words, well, I believe in God. The concept of God can become syn synonymous with the supreme being or even a higher power. 
God has become a silly putty word used by whoever wants to use it to mean whatever that person wants it to mean. And it is easy then to lose this word God. But like a fine silver plate, once it's polished, it shines and the plate becomes glorious. So in knowing this day, the word God, you are blessed because God has become flesh for you. God. When John uses the word God, he says the word was God. He means God as God has revealed himself in the Holy Scriptures, not something vague at all. It is very, very precise. No Israelite would have ever considered Moses vague in saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No one would question that God is the true God. He is almighty, the ever-present one. He is the holy one. He made the entirety of the heavens and the earth, and he owns all of creation. He alone is God, and he has revealed himself as the God of Israel. Not vague at all. All the Old Testament God is specific. He is the God who created Adam and Eve in his image. He is the God who gave the promise of the incarnate Savior right to them in the garden. He is the God who destroyed the earth with the flood. He is the God who gave the promise of the Messiah to Abraham, the promise of Christ. God delivered Israel from Egypt. God gave his commandments to Israel on Mount Sinai. God is the God who also caused Judah to go into exile for having other gods. God is a jealous God, and he alone is to be worshiped as he alone is the God who saves and who promises eternal blessings and a new heaven and a new earth to all who believe in him. The Word is the one true God who is specific and has made himself known. The Word is God. And so when John says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, these words are stunning. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who promises a new heavens and a new earth, this God became flesh and dwelt among us. And since this God is the true God of the Old Testament dwelling with us, we specifically remember how he dwelt with his people by his glory filling the tabernacle and later the temple. God who dwelt with his people in the tabernacle and the wilderness wanderings is the God who made them his people in the first place. God rescued them from the slavery of Egypt and through the blood of the lamb at Passover and through the waters of the Red Sea, God made Israel safe and rescued. Now the word has become flesh and dwelt among us. So from the get-go, John is telling all of us that the Word is the one and only true God, and furthermore, He is the Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Although I would love to go verse by verse through this whole text, this marvelous text of John 1, 1 through 18, I'm highlighting some key thoughts that you would be filled with the joy of Christmas, and thereby Christmas would be merry for you. Knowing that the Word made flesh is your Lord and your God. John moves on for the momentous statement of the Word become flesh to the final verse of our prologue. 
No one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone reveals the Father to us. He is the one true God who's true God along with the Father, and thereby we have the mystery of the Trinity for us. And Jesus will in the Gospel of John testify over and over again that he is the one who reveals the Father. To believe in Jesus is also to believe in God the Father. Jesus is God, and to believe in God, you believe in Jesus. The incarnation of our Lord is, is God loving his creation enough to take on human flesh and dwelling as the gracious, saving God in the midst of mankind to save my, mankind. This is the marvel of Christmas. It is God with us and God for us. When you say Christmas, it's almost impossible not to think of gifts. Indeed, Christmas is gift, gift incarnate. Because of Christmas, God becoming incarnate and saving us, we have the greatest gift of all. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But all to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. To those who believe in Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. In saying he gave the right to become children of God, John has given you the pure promise of eternal salvation. You have been given by grace alone, through faith alone, a position of the greatest honor. You now have a title, and it is called Child of God. And with this title, there are blessings. So too, we remember in England and in Europe, uh, a, a layman might be given a title, promoted to the rank of Lord, and with that title come lands and possessions. You have a title, Child of God, and you have the greatest land and the greatest possessions. You have the eternal New Jerusalem, and you have Jesus. You who are born into sin and justly deserved temporal and eternal punishment are now called child of God and have a place at the banquet table of the king where you will rejoice with your Lord and king forever. In the Old Testament, God had his children, and they were the people of Israel. He rescued them from the bondage of Egypt and brought them into the land of Israel, a land flowing with milk and honey. God, taking care of his children in the Old Testament, points ahead to the fullest blessing of you being his children and God taking care of you. The Gospel of John constantly moved forward from this prologue. From the Titanic, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, to the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, to Christ's triumphant words on the cross, it is finished. God in the flesh, works out your salvation. Towards the end of the gospel, then, hear Thomas's confession, my Lord and my God. Jesus, you are my Yahweh and my Elohim. You are mine and I am yours. That is your confession also. Jesus, you are mine and I am yours. Jesus never stops being God in the flesh for us and for our salvation. This is why he gives to you this day his body and blood to eat and to drink. 
He desires that you know the blessing of being called child of God. You have come this day to rejoice in God your Savior. You come because you know that Christmas is far more than lights, food, and a couple of ho-ho-hos. Christmas is Jesus. Christmas is God, the God of all scriptures, the gracious and caring, creating, delivering God, becoming flesh, dwelling with us, saving us, and giving us the title, child of God. Indeed, blessed Christmas to you all. Indeed, I can say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all. Amen.